There we go. This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for Avoid the Maze. And I think in today's discussion, you're going to realize that, you know, you are going to get in that maze as you are reaching for your stars, your goals, your success. But just because you hit the wall doesn't mean you can't bounce back and find your path again. Uh, my guest today is Richard Freison. Hopefully I said that right, Richard. Reason is how most Reason. people pronounce it, but you can you can pronounce it any way you want. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, and uh, it's still a dark morning out on the West Coast for you. Well, it is a cloudy morning here in uh, the state of Ohio. But we're not talking about the weather. We're talking about our life. I love the posters behind you uh, talking about money. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, where you came up with your theories, because uh, the little bit I've read so far, uh, they're, they're real. Those theories uh, hit the target. Yeah. Well, for me, it started with a story about my own internal mindset and limitations. So it was April of 1995. I woke up in the middle of the night, bang, there was a voice. And I looked around the room, nobody was there, but this voice said, Rich, you're only worth 200,000 a year. It was, the voice was as real as your voice is to me now, but I looked around and there was nobody in the room. So I got up, dressed, showered, dressed, and drove to across the Golden Gate Bridge to the floor of the Pacific Exchange where I was an independent market maker. And there, I, I don't know if you know, but there were big columns and, you know, right. the, the yep. typical kind of traditional exchange uh, uh, architecture. And I sat, sat on the concrete steps and I thought about that voice and where that voice came from. So a little background is I was trading with a, a very large trading firm, very successful, given me just a tremendous amount of support, PhD, math, quants, you know, the whole bit. And I had gone on my own several years earlier. And when I went on my own, the first year I made 125,000 trading very carefully, then 150 the next year, 175, then 200, then 200. So I had been stuck at 200, but that year something unusual happened. I was trading a stock called Micron and options in Micron, and it, was, it went crazy. And there was so much opportunity, I made $200,000 in about six weeks. So I hit my limit very early. And then it was up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down until April. And that's when that voice came in and said, Rich, you're only worth 200,000 a year. So I, so most young people don't even know what a trading pit is because right. they're all gone. <laughs> but you know, that's a place where all the brokers and the market makers and the traders and everybody gathers and orders and yelling and screaming and buying and selling. And I always stood at the very back, very careful, always, you know, trying to reduce my risk and taking little bites out of big orders. But I realized that voice represented a part of me that I no longer, no longer was me. I was done with it. So I went and stood right in the front, right in between the best 
two busiest brokers right in front of the exchange staff where I could hear all the orders. Now, in a pit, most of you don't know this, but you don't own a spot. It's held by the most aggressive, the toughest, the meanest, the person with the most capital. And and they they keep that place by social pressure and hierarchy. So I went and stood in the very best spot. And it was still early. The rest of the traders came in, the market makers came in, and the guy who always stood there looked at the clock, <laughs> looked at me, <laughs> tapped me on the shoulder as if to say, okay, little boy, little boy, time to go. I didn't move. Well, the whole pit went, oh, my God. <laughs> they, 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 they moved back. Uh, we started a shoving match. The uh, exchange official said, you guys get into a fight. It's a $10,000 fine. I held my ground. The bell went off and I went nuts. You know, buy 50, sell you 20, buy and sell them. Rich Friesen was done with that internal voice. And when I started building a trading firm from those profits, some about a third of the traders would just take off and use my system and make money. A third would do okay. It wasn't bad, but a third just couldn't do it. Same opportunity, same, same everything. So I brought in a hypnotherapist. And what we discovered, there were internal limitations, just like mm -hmm. I had, a belief system about our worthiness and our values. And that eventually led me to write the book, A Private Conversation with Money, and also to look at my life and to help my clients in, in terms of from their deepest identity to their beliefs about the world, to their behaviors, where in that stack are they stuck? And once we stop looking at just symptoms up here, then we can really get to work. Well, what you're talking about is any kind of change we need to make because we all do get stuck. Um, you know, I've repeated over and over again on this show that um, I was stuck until I was about 50. Um, <laughs> I finally got a job that I really, really liked. Uh, I was doing well at it. But the culture was so horrible that I was miserable all the time. Mm -hmm. But I kept telling everybody I loved my job because I loved what I did. But if I had to walk out of that little circle, I was miserable. Mm -hmm. uh, and my husband kept saying to me, you're so good at what you do. Go somewhere else. Take take what you've got. And I was I was frozen. I just kept thinking, well, I'm 50, so this is where I have to stay. Yeah. And I yeah. waited another five years. And finally, I said, uh, this is not for me anymore. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have any structure. It was like I had to create that structure. Today, most of our listeners don't have to really create it because there are people like you and me and others who have said, hey, we've been stuck Here's, mm -hmm. here's some tools for your toolbox. So you heard this voice, um, and I'm sure there are people out there going, oh, that's sort of woo-woo, you know? Uh, <laughs> but you know what? That's your internal thoughts. You knew yes. that you were worth much more than that. Yes. So you took this guy's spot, 
and now you're trading with all the big wigs, right? Mm-hmm. Did that make you more confident of what you were doing then? I think the confidence was there, but I just didn't want to recognize it. In other words, we all have these internal conflicts and these internal voices. Like when we started working with traders, and if I look at my clients now that are entrepreneurs and business people and all over the place, is that from the time they grow up, they have different messages about money, wealth, and success. And one of them is money is evil. Wealthy people are assholes. You don't want to become one of them. Or, oh, money comes and goes and we don't worry about it. Just all sorts of messages all across the spectrum. So they get those messages that are embedded. And sometimes there's a reaction against them and we actually go the opposite way. But nevertheless, it's not a chosen belief system. It's inherited. Then we go to school and we get messages about our worthiness from teachers in, in school. I know I was, they thought I was retarded, for example. And that's because I couldn't see the blackboard. Amazing. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Uh, so when they got classes, all of a sudden I wasn't retarded anymore. <laughs> but, you know, there was a message somehow in there that I was not as worthy. And I absorbed it on the deeper level. Then we get to the cultural levels right now. And there's a huge uh, break in the culture around money, wealth, and success from the conservatives, from the progressives and liberals, and you absorb those and and the anti-wealth, the anti-money, the taxation, and all those issues. Now, you have all that stuff internalized, and we're expected to have full energy, focus, mission, and going for what we want. Oh my gosh. So my goal was to take that voice that just came to me in the middle of the night and said, how can with my clients make it intentional? How can we elicit those voices, find out the internal conflicts, and then develop rapport with money, wealth, and success? So that's been my job, and that's why I wrote the book. So <clears throat> how long did it take you to write the book? <laughs> I'd like to say six months, but four, four years off and on, um, Scott Adams, the uh, Dilbert cartoonist, gave it two thumbs down about four years ago. So I went through a number of revisions and uh, and now I'm, I'm happy with it. But it took two editors. It took a lot of work. And I think the next one will go faster. But boy, it because you don't know where you're going. You don't exactly. have a clear vision and you're kind of struggling as you go. You go down a lot of dead end streets. So, but I'm really pleased with it now. But you got through those dead ends. You followed a different path and eventually you got out at the other side. The book was done. It was published and it's for sale. Um, right. You know, and what you're talking about is persistence. You know, I had the my own, we all project our own internal pain. And my pain was, I was not worthy. And so I look at my kids and my grandkids and, and my community and say, how can I help people short circuit that path that took me so many decades to get through? Well, and the reality of it is, each of us have to see that what we've been doing isn't really working 
and find that confidence to say, okay, I'm going to do something different. And it's okay if I make a mistake along the way, but mm -hmm. I must learn from it. Um, it's interesting because I know the way I was raised, I have two older brothers and I was always told, your brothers are going to be the leaders in this family. Mm -hmm. um, you can follow. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe you'll be lucky enough to marry a man who is a leader. <laughs> oh, and, man. And yet my mother was a very um, independent woman. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't understand these messages. Why can mm -hmm. she do all these things? But she thinks I need to take a back seat. And so I did for years and years, especially if I was in the company of my brothers after we became adults, I'd sit back, I'd let them do the talking because I was afraid if I said anything, it was going to sound stupid. Mm -hmm. And so when you're talking about these voices in our head, it's our parents didn't mean to tell us these wrong things, mm -hmm. but they did. And so now we have to sure. sort it out. And so it took me until my fifties, but that's okay because now I'm, I've turned that path and that's for all of our listeners and all of your clients. You know, it's never too late. Oh, exactly. And then the question is, how can we turn that path? What are there steps? Are there invitations is the way we can do it. And one of the things that I do with clients, I have them step into their mastermind, into their success, and to visualize it, to touch it and taste it. And what's interesting is sometimes we'll go through a guided visualization, and I'll have them imagine their success as a house. It's in a valley, in mountains, by the ocean, wherever it is, how one story, two story, big, small, comfortable, fancy. And then... That success is will step into it. What are the attributes? What are the beliefs? How do you see yourself? And then what's interesting is, is some people don't know how to even feel, describe, touch, or taste that success. Right. And just like me, if we can't visualize it, if we can't see it, if it's not really concrete in our mind, our survival mechanisms will go, no, 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 Rich. No, 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 Rich. You, We don't know what's going to be there. And as strange as it sounds, our survival mechanisms encourage us to repeat our survival process. So, for example, if you grew up with a very judgmental mom or a very critical dad, what you will do is internalize that sometimes and be self-critical to, to kind of beat their criticism. So... That's our survival mechanism. So if you meet a mate, for example, that's very accepting and warm and loving and allowing you to be, you will work to make them into that critical part because that's how you survived. Right. You are so right. And many of us go through life just surviving because mm -hmm. we think we're the only ones with those negative thoughts. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> um, it's interesting. Uh, there's a um, woman who I've met online and she's been very successful in her life. 
but she's come to a wall right now and says, you know, she made mistakes. And even though she was successful and knew people, you know, her life is over. And I asked her, well, you're still breathing. You're still eating. Yeah. You're still feeling hot and cold. So your life is not over. And do you want to spend the rest of your life just this shell of a person? Mm -hmm. And she keeps saying no, but she's not quite there that she's willing to make the changes. I found when I had to make my changes, um, I had to be very blunt with my husband and my son and say, I can't stay in this job anymore. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get another job because mm -hmm. people look at your resume and they figure out how many years you've been working and now you're <laughs> too old for them. Um, but within a month after leaving, um, I said, I want to put my writing skills to work. Mm -hmm. And I had been blogging and I saw an ad for somebody who was looking for a blogger, a big national uh, corporation. And in the back of my mind, why would they want to hire me? But I thought, I'm going to try for it. Within three days, I was blogging for them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, you got to take that step forward. You never know if you don't take the chance. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy, that's such an inspiring story. So the question, what I'm always fascinated with, what was that kernel of a belief or an identity or a behavior that allowed you to take that step that and modeling that for other people? So I chose to make this step. Um, if I go dig back into my world history of my life, um, I was digging back because I realized I've been trying to make everybody else happy in everything I do. Mm -hmm. And I believed what my paternal grandmother told me. You make somebody happy, Karen, you're going to be the happiest person on earth. Mm -hmm. And I asked her if she was, because she was a pleaser. And she said, I think so. <laughs> and that's when I realized, you know what? Um, I don't want to think that I'm happy. I want to find what real happiness is. Yeah. I don't want to depend on my children, my husband, yeah. <clears throat> you know, one of my students. I don't want that to be my happiness. My happiness mm -hmm. is doing what I want to do. And so when I reached out, I thought, well, it's a national company. They probably are going to have thousands of resumes. But you know what? This is my chance just to throw my name in the pile. Again, expecting nothing, which was the best thing for me. Because by not expecting something, I started coming up with other plans. Well, if they don't take me, mm -hmm. I can do this, I can do that. And they took me. And then a month later, I said, you know, broadcasting has always been something I wanted to do. That's what I went to school for. And I heard this thing called podcasting. And I went and I said to my husband, 
help me set this up. And we set up a system. I was basically knocking on doors to get people to be my guests. I had a theme. And from there, it has just grown. Mm -hmm. But I could have been that scared little girl. Right. And say, you know, I never had a chance in my life because I was waiting for somebody else to give me that chance. Yeah. So stepping into that belief system, that identity can be a major shift for some people. And that's why a coach or a process that invites you into it safely. So in other words, when we're making a major change, we only do it if we can do it safely and our survival mechanism is okay. So rehearsing that change, oftentimes we'll go down to, well, is this a just a behavior that needs to change? And sometimes it's a simple behavior. And I have steps to make uh, behavioral change. Sometimes it's a belief about the world and how it operates, like they're out to get me kind of a right. belief system. And sometimes it's all the way down, I'm not worthy. So by working that through those different layers, we can then determine where the person is stuck and then make that invitation. We'll check all the voices like the voice I had, like when I have them in their imagination approach their, their, their home, their worthiness home, to look back and see who objects. And sometimes my dad is there going, if you become successful, you're going to become an asshole. You know, don't do that. Uh, sometimes it'll be uh, a peer group <clears throat> who says, well, we're not successful. And if you become successful, you're out. So all these imaginary things come up. So we look at what are all the things that stop us from going there through this guided visualization. And we hear all the voices. And one of the things, and I and I saw one of your earlier uh, podcasts about acceptance. My gosh, if we can discover what is going on in the voices and accept them and say, it's okay, Rich. It's okay that you had your voice in the middle of the night. Now, once we've accepted, we can now say, I'm an agent. I can now decide what I want to do and where I want to go from here. So I loved what, you know, how you put that all together because there are so many people still out in broadcast land who don't understand what coaching is about. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had, I had somebody who called me and I, you know, did a 30 minute conversation with them to see if we were going to be compatible. And they kept saying, so are you going to be like my last therapist? And I said, no, I'm not a therapist. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm a guide. That's what a coach is. I'm going to mm -hmm. guide you and I'm going to use tools that I've created, but I'm going to use tools that other coaches have also created because we're going to sure. find the right tool for you. And what's right today may not be right tomorrow. Now I have to admit my first uh, connection with the coach. Um, I didn't believe there was going to be a connection. I didn't believe that they were going to be able to get me in that first conversation to say, that's what I don't like. I wonder how I can do that differently. Mm -hmm. You know, and they just let me talk because I was doing, I was coaching myself through it. <laughs> um, Indeed. And I also had that same experience this past weekend. Um, 
So all last week I was in Fort Worth, Texas, taking care of my son. He had emergency surgery. So mom went down there and um, basically left everything behind. Um, but I was going through some sort of a crisis on Saturday. I could not figure it out. Uh, my stomach hurt, my head hurt, and it wasn't sick. It was something internal that was just grabbing at me. Uh, so I called one of my coaches and I said, you know, I have no idea what's going on, but this is not how I want to be on my last day mm -hmm. with my son here. And as I started talking, I knew exactly what it was. He He's really my buddy. And part of me felt I was leaving him too early. Mm -hmm. And almost every pain I was having are the same pains he's having as he's recuperating. Oh. <laughs> and I, I, and That's I realized, fascinating. Yeah, I took them on to try to convince myself I should stay longer. But it was in the middle of that conversation with her. I said, well, I'm moving. So if I'm moving around, even with this pain, I'm capable of being, taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. And then out of the corner of my eye, I see my son is taking care of himself. And it was like, hmm. And figured it out, walked through the steps, and I then was able to move forward. And that's what it sounds like you've done as well. Yes, and what you've described so well is an invitation to our clients yeah. that if we... I mean, I hear coaches talk about willpower, discipline, managing your emotions, controlling this. That is one method that works if people are really on the precipice of going forward. But for most of us, there's no such thing as willpower and discipline. But if I can invite them to a better stage with awareness and acceptance where they go, ah, oh, that feels better, then we've got a positive draw toward a new way of being or a new belief system. And then if we can do it for five minutes, we can do it for 10, an hour and two hours in a day. So as a coach, the constant invitation is to step in to a state that honors our values, feels better in the moment and gets us to our goals. And if we can continually make that positive invitation as a draw uh, then I think that we can do a much more service to people than telling them to just be more disciplined or control <laughs> your emotions. <laughs> and, you know, that has never helped me when somebody has said that to me. In fact, uh, it makes it harder to control yeah. your emotions or harder to do something differently. Yeah, so because what you're doing is you're saying, Control yourself, more willpower. You're all, you're setting up an internal struggle with the language itself. Like whenever a client says, well, I'll try to do X, Y, Z. I'll stop. Whoa, 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 stop. <laughs> we're trying. That means we're setting up an internal struggle. So rather than trying, uh, I make it an invitation to something that feels better. So when you started writing your book, um, and because it's so prominent behind you, I want to make sure that we really talk about it. Um, what does it mean, a private conversation with money? What does that title 
Well, what I've done is I have, I've got over a thousand assessments of, of people who have problems in terms of their financial life. So I have almost every issue that could possibly have imagined. And what I did is I dumped them on the character, Joe, the poor guy. He got <laughs> all, all the crap from everybody I've ever coached. And so he is a very liberal, progressive journalist, angry about wealth, angry about money, angry about his life. And his whole thing is just being upset. And so he starts having a conversation with a character called money. And money in a Socratic kind of a dialogue just takes him through his beliefs, his identity, his behaviors. And and Joe just resists. <laughs> I mean, he pushes back. He's angry. He doesn't want to listen. But eventually, money invites him to a state where he ends up looking at money as a certificate of appreciation. So, for example, Karen, if I do something for you, you give me a certificate of appreciation. And I say, well, I did, I added value to Karen's life and she gave me certificates of appreciation and vice versa. I will give you certificates of appreciation for value you add to my life. So the more certificates of appreciation we collect, the more value we've had added to other people's life. So we make that transfer from all the old memes, all the old belief systems to adding value. So for example, back in the 70s, I don't know if you remember that vision boards were popular yes, and people yes. put on mansions and fancy cars and all that stuff. Well, our vision board is a value vision board. What value are we going to add to other people's lives? And we put that at the right end at, at the end. Now, what do I need in terms of skills, communication, uh, people I know? What are all the pieces I need to add value to others? Now, as we put those pieces into place, we add value. We collect certificates of appreciation. And here's what explodes some people's mind. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> The more certificates of appreciation we collect, the more value we have delivered to our family, to our community, and to the world, our customers, our clients, our employers, and our employees. Makes sense to me, because we all want to be appreciated in life. Yeah. And, and if we've allowed ourselves to think that we are not, it it piles on. Um my first marriage was not a great marriage. Uh, luckily, we've come to terms many, many years later. Never thought that would happen. But when that marriage ended, I didn't think I had a value. Mm. Um, and it was a very dear girlfriend of mine who said, maybe he doesn't have the value. Did you ever think about it that way? Maybe you, you're worthy. Maybe he's not. And you know what she said to me? It doesn't make any difference. You're starting a new path. Mm -hmm. So where do you, you want can to create it? Since yeah. new, you can create anything you want. Right. And it doesn't mean the past is not going to be there because it is. It's, But you don't have to live in the past. 
And that's the most beautiful thing that it doesn't make any difference how old you are. Uh, you know, I went through my divorce between my 29th and 30th year. And mm -hmm. I thought, you know, I'm too old to change. Well, obviously it wasn't then. Uh, and I haven't been recently because I just keep saying, look at as long as I'm moving, breathing and having emotions, I'm living. So why don't I live my best? Sure. I wish I could underline that and highlight that and put exclamation points <laughs> around it. Well said. So how can we find your book? Because I know my listeners are going to say, wait a second. Um, Richard has uh, some great ideas. And maybe if I read the book or thumb through the book, I'm going to learn something more. Well, it's on all the major uh, book outlets, Amazon, A Private Conversation with Money, paperback, hardback, and uh, we just released the audio version. So it's all there. And a special offer for your listeners is if they go to conversations.money slash maze, M-A-Z-E, there will be a free online course that uh, goes along with the book and you can follow the exercises with Joe in the online course. How wonderful is that? I think that's something that everybody should do because, uh, you know, sometimes we are just so stuck that we don't even know how to make oh, changes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know every month when my husband and I sit down and we put everything in the bill pay, uh, some months we, you know, congratulate ourselves that uh, our bills have come down and hey, um, but that excitement doesn't last forever because our life isn't centered around that. And that's important because, you know, we know there are certain things that we're responsible for. But we've got to find the fun things and we got to work towards those and we have to be productive. And yeah, so so think about being productive in terms of adding value to others. And then when you shift that, all of a sudden you, you're not worried about getting money from people. You shift to delivering value. Now, one of the things that from your history is, you know, my brothers are more worthy. I have to follow along. I'm not really worthy. So if that belief is there, then we tend to discount the value we're adding to others. Right. So if you come and say, here I am, it doesn't matter how old I am, I'm adding value to others. Exactly. And I deserve certificates of appreciation for that. Wow, what a major shift that makes such a difference in the energy, the drive, and the resilience. Well, and I have to tell you, six and a half years ago when uh, my mother uh, was dying, I was staying with her with one of my brothers. And typically, uh, he's the brother that would do everything for my parents. And he looked at me and he said, you know what to do. I'll be here to support you. Mm -hmm. I looked at him and I said, no, you know, you're the son, you're older. Yeah. And he looked at me and he goes, no, I have more confidence in you than I have in myself. And my brothers and both my brothers are the same way. And it's like, okay, so I was this little pesky sister for so many years. And now 
we see value in each other. And then you know, I, I, I had a coach who saw more value in me than I saw in myself. And just that was so startling. And it sounds like a similar story to find people who value you and see value in you. My gosh, that then has an invitation to accept that internally. Well done. Well, thank you. And I'm so glad you were on today. Great way to start a week. Um, I want everybody to go out and get the book. Uh, it's not going to make Richard rich, but no, no. <laughs> it, it will make the rest of us a little bit richer if we can gain some knowledge and, you know, just take those steps forward because um, none of us really want to go backwards. I don't want to be a teenager ever again. So, uh, oh boy, <laughs> I'm on the right path. It, you were such a delight. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll be in touch. Well, thank you, Karen. And I appreciate you sharing yourself and your own story, because I think that is a powerful way to invite people into a life that enriches them. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.